Hello, friends. Welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is Stephen Dimmitt. And today I've got a bonus episode for you that is available right now for patrons who support the Nugget for $5 per month or more. There's a link right there in your podcast app if you want to become a patron of the Nugget. That'll get you access to more than 40 follow-up interviews that I've done with past guests from the show, episodes like this one. I'm going to give you a free teaser of this conversation today that you can listen to right here for free. The full version of this conversation is an hour and 30 minutes. So we really went into the weeds on this finger training stuff that Tyler Nelson has been experimenting with. Tyler's back on the show. He's been on the show a couple times before. And in this follow-up episode, we really dive into the weeds on some of the most recent experiments that Tyler has been doing with his clients and in his clinic when it comes to finger training. And it's, believe it or not, totally different than a lot of the hangboarding protocols and methodologies that I've talked about on the podcast before with Tyler and with other guests. So this was a really interesting conversation and it actually took me a while to kind of get my head around what Tyler was saying in this interview. So for those of you who are really excited about this stuff and want to dig into it, if you become a patron for five bucks per month, it just takes a few minutes to sign up, you'll get the full hour and a half long audio version of this interview. You'll get the full uncut video from this interview if you want to see us talking and see some of the finger uh, position demonstrations and things that Tyler is describing. I think that could be helpful. And then I also made a six minute long clarification video that goes along with this episode in case anything is confusing. So we recorded this follow-up back in mid-October. I was still a little bit confused about some of this stuff when it comes to active flexion and recruitment versus passive tension and what Tyler was describing. I have now been training this way for the past few weeks. I'm recording this at the beginning of January. I've seen really impressive results doing this. I'm uh, rehabbing a bicep tendon injury right now, but I can still train my fingers using this active recruitment stuff. And I've seen like a 25% increase in my recruitment strength in just three weeks of training this way. So I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited to share it. And I filmed a six minute clarification video that goes along with this episode now that I better understand how all this stuff works. And I wanted to demonstrate it and show you guys and make it really crystal clear for those of you guys who are interested in this stuff. So yeah, once again, you can just keep listening if you wanna hear the free teaser and get a taste of what we talked about in today's episode. The full version of this audio episode is an hour and 30 minutes, is available right now for patrons. It just takes a few minutes to sign up for Patreon and you can cancel at any time, no questions asked. There's a link right there in your podcast app or you can go to patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing to learn more and to sign up for Patreon. And along with the audio, I'm going to publish an uncut hour and 30 minute video from this interview. And I'm also going to share that six minute clarification video on Patreon, showing me actually doing this active recruitment training and demonstrating that to make that more clear. So happy New Year's. If you guys have big aspirations for your finger training and your climbing in 2023, I definitely recommend starting off the year with this episode. I think Tyler's really onto something. I think this explains for me a big frustration that I've had with my own finger training. And for me, I said this in the interview, but it really felt like a missing puzzle piece that clicked into place hearing Tyler differentiate active recruitment 
from passive tension and why that's important in our training and what to do about it, how to address active recruitment more directly in our finger training. So yeah, this one's for you geeks out there. I hope it's interesting and helpful and helps guide you in your training. And without further ado, please enjoy this free teaser of my latest follow-up episode with Tyler Nelson. Well, it's good to see you again. Yeah, yeah, you too, man. And look at you. You're, well. uh, you've got a real podcast mic. You've like upgraded your little podcast setup here. Well, it's really that I talk on the phone all day for work. Okay. You know, I use Zoom for most of my consults, and it, I, it's really because I hate my AirPods more than anything. <laughs> you know, and they like they will switch between my laptop and my MacBook and my phone just like randomly, and uh-huh. it just got so annoying. <laughs> That I have my recordings for my consults like all the time. And so the sound is good. So it just made sense to buy a nicer microphone. Nice. Well, I'm excited for this. I've been, I spent the whole morning reading all your finger posts again and refreshing my memory and uh, have a whole bunch of questions in front of me. I, I, I really appreciate about you that you're just always experimenting with stuff. Um, you know, as many conversations as I've had on the podcast about finger training and, you know, as many top level athletes I've talked to. It's just, we're still so in the dark ages with all this stuff. And in a way I was, I was just talking to a friend about this this morning. Like we're almost doing the same things that we were doing in the early eighties. You know, like we have fancy hangboards now that look cool and they're a little bit more comfortable, but we're basically still hanging on door edges, just trying to get our fingers stronger. And it's, it's really neat that you are digging into the science um, doing these kind of thought experiments, trying things out, even building some of your own training implements. I saw your Home Depot post. We should talk about that later on too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, let's start with this question. I'm curious, what have you been experimenting with lately and what do you feel most excited about right now when it comes to finger training for rock climbing? So uh, what I've been posting about and learned fairly recently within the last maybe 2020 has been like a learning year for me too. Like my business has changed quite a bit and I've kind of invested in my own education. So I've spent, you know, a couple grand like having private consults with researchers, specifically, you know, Chris Beardsley is one of the biggest ones. And like just making sure that my knowledge is as cutting edge as I feel it should be, you know, with my background. And I graduated from school seven years ago and I like to read research papers, but I do not have time to read as many as I used to because I'm busy with clients. And so making sure I stay fresh with new ideas was kind of my goal for 2022. And so that's kind of what spurred a lot of this, like new ideas on how we train the fingers. And it really comes down to understanding muscle contraction types. And so what I've been interested about lately is differentiating, you know, this idea of how much load someone can tolerate on a fingerboard compared to what their finger strength literally is. And that's kind of the difference between this idea of getting a lot of passive tension or really just getting a lot of muscular recruitment. So that's kind of what I've been excited about lately. And so I've been collecting a bunch of numbers on clients, either when they're in my office or people sending me numbers from around the world. So I have quite a big pool of numbers now just to see the difference. And it's quite striking how different the loads are that someone could hang with compared to how much the predicted load would be from just pulling on your fingers, which... It's really cool. Yeah. Okay. Can you uh, describe that in a little more detail? So I've, I've seen some of your posts and, and I'll do my best to describe it here and you can tell me if I'm getting it right. But basically what, um, what you found is that if you load someone up on a hangboard, 
with as much weight as they can possibly hang, let's say from two arms with weight added to them, that's a much higher number than you would predict based on if you had them use your tin deck and just pulled against an edge with their feet on the ground with one hand at a time and then added those numbers together. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. And so there's a whole bunch of different methods that people could isolate their finger flexors, you know, in the body position. You could do it with your elbow on a box or a squat rack, J hook pulling down. You could do it horizontally with the elbow blocked, or you could do it vertical. And I think from my experience, testing lots of people, the numbers all work out about the same if the athlete is like intentional with only flexing the fingers. So the real difference that I've kind of, you know, the the basic premise that people hear about and the idea keeps getting discussed and like, um, let's say inaccurately uh, used is the idea that eccentric muscle contractions produce more recruitment. Like that's the mm. easiest way to think about it. And everyone's heard that. And so you'll say, I do an eccentric contraction. I can produce more force because people know that they can in those contractions, but they assume that it's because they're getting more recruitment. And so that's the thing that's outdated. Okay. So an example might be, um, cause I remember this from like gym class when I was 15 years old, like you can, you can have someone help you load up a bench press and you can lower more weight than you can push up. And people would target that heavy eccentric thinking that it would build even more recruitment and more strength. Yeah. And so what the more modern research tells us is they, the eccentric contractions, the isometric contractions, both forms we'll, we can talk about, and the concentric contractions, they all produce the same level of recruitment. And as soon as the athlete is well-trained and they know the movement, the recruitment levels will plateau because a lot of, in order to get recruitment gains with an exercise, the athlete has to become coordinated first. So you got to learn the movement and the initial strength gains that appear to be recruitment are mostly coordination. As soon as we get coordinated, then we can gain recruitment. But for most of my clients and most of the people that listen to this podcast about finger training stuff, like they're already really strong and their recruitment levels are probably about peaked out in the finger flexors. And so once you've reached your limit for finger flexor recruitment, the additional loads that are used on a fingerboard, as an example, are all the additional passive tension with an eccentric movement. And so there's these really cool like mechanisms that we now know where the ends of your muscle fibers attach to this molecule called Titan. And there's three segments of this molecule. And when we do an eccentric, we immediately load the stiff segment, which means that we get a shit ton of passive tension and we can produce more load. But as soon as that load is removed, that mechanism goes away, mm. which is the kind of the, the eye-opening thing for me with fingerboarding. It's like, well, and, I, and then we can talk about how I came to this idea, but fingerboarding is like, as soon as we take away that big, heavy weight on an athlete, they're not producing that same response when that load is removed. It's just not possible. It's not how your physiology works. Interesting. Okay. So when you're on the climbing wall, we're left with the amount of force we can actually engage actively with our muscle recruitment levels, which are the concentric forms of those contractions okay. and their passive tension that accompanies them because there is passive tension there. So I'm going to back up a couple steps. This is a very basic question, but um, I just want to ask it anyway, because I have a pretty good understanding of what recruitment is. And I think probably many people listening to this do as well. But can you just define recruitment and what that is in the yeah, so context of, of finger training? 
to, to make it really simple, there's just three, let's say, types of motor units. They can break down more so, but we'll keep it simple. But the small type one motor units, they're the slow twitch muscle fibers, which people hear about. The fact that they're termed slow means they don't contract very quickly. We use them all the time. Climbers for sure have lots of recruitment of those all the time. The intermediate ones, which are the type 2A motor units, those ones are mixed. They can be more aerobic, they can be more anaerobic. And then the type 2X muscle fibers are the fast twitch fibers. Those are the biggest and the strongest ones. And so when we train our fingers on either a climbing wall or a fingerboard, as we you know develop in our climbing grade and we spend more time doing the sport and we add some fingerboarding, we slowly recruit more and more and more and more of the largest muscle fibers. And we're like teaching our brain, our nervous system, how to fire those muscle fibers to pull on an edge. Yeah, there's definitely a big, there's a couple different things that are really important to consider. Like um, the coordination of the movement is a really important thing. The other thing that happens with even a fingerboarding protocol, like people that haven't done a fingerboarding protocol, they do one to start, they get, they get a lot of load really quick. Right. That's not really because they're getting that much recruitment very quick. They're just getting really coordinated at a fingerboard. And even though the fingerboard doesn't look like a skill, it's still a skill. Mm. There's no doubt. And people that are really good at fingerboarding, they're really good at the skill. But the thing that I like to tell my clients and people in general is I don't want to get good at a fingerboarding skill. Like it's okay if I'm getting some recruitment, but if I'm trying to get a benefit to a sport, all I care about is that recruitment because mm. the skill of a fingerboard is not the same as the skill as climbing. Right. So in order to do that, though, I have to be really rested and I need to really have a high level of effort each repetition that I do. And so, you know, the the more muscle mass also that's involved in the movement, the less recruitment I get in a specific muscle group. So fingerboarding with a heavy load requires a ton of muscle mass, shoulders, you know, arms, extensor muscles, scapular muscles, rib cage, like there's a lot of things going on there where in some cases, if I just stand and isolate my finger flexors and pull, I would say the argument could be made that you're going to get more intentional recruitment to the finger flexors because there's less things to. And there's a whole bunch of like, you know, things at play when we talk about those movements. But essentially, that's what recruitment is. So I'm going to jump ahead to kind of your conclusion, or at least my understanding of your conclusion and the implications here, and then maybe we can fill in the middle. <laughs> um, but what I took away from reading your post again this morning is that you are kind of advocating for moving away from just hanging, just dangling on a hangboard with weight added, even if it's max hangs, even if it's even if it seems very strength oriented, and you're moving more towards these really short kind of reps of recruitment pulls. So this could be sitting, maybe if if you can't hang from one hand, it would be standing pulling down as hard as you can for a few seconds and doing reps of that or using a tin deck to do that with like a tension block or something like that. Um, another option would be like what Matt Fultz would call off the ground pulls. You're just like picking up a weight off the ground using a tension block for reps. Um, is that right? Is that is that kind of how you're thinking about this? Like moving away from the passive, I don't want to call it passive, but moving away from just dangling um, on a hangboard to these kind of more repetition style finger training methodologies? So I would say it depends on the athlete more than anything. You know, there's the reason that we've used a fingerboard for so long is it's just very practical. It's just an easy piece of equipment. 
And the kind of the trap that people fall into is they make the assumption that because that looks more like rock climbing, it will transfer better to rock climbing, which is a mistake because it's not the same velocity. You're not doing any like body position changes. Like it's just not the same skill. So what we're left with is our ability to get lots of recruitment. So for people that have never done a fingerboarding protocol, I would say fingerboarding protocols would be okay for those athletes because they'll get stronger in a really easy way and they don't need to worry about numbers and all those things. But the more well-trained the athlete is, they're not getting any benefit from a fingerboarding protocol. And their science would also say that like a long duration repetition is not better. In fact, it's less optimal for recruitment than shorter intentional repetitions. So as an example, if you like take the 10 second hang and we chop it into thirds, now you can do three reps in one set. But if all I'm trying to do is get a lot of recruitment, then I'm going to get it three times in that set instead of just once. And I'm going to accumulate less fatigue in that context. So that's the other thing that's interesting about fingerboarding is if I do a big, long fingerboarding protocol, that muscle stretch, even like what you mentioned, Matt Fultz, lifting something off the ground, that's still an eccentric because you're still doing, it's called a yielding isometric. So if I'm going to hang on a fingerboard, people can visualize having your fingers at a half crimp position. The goal is to prevent your fingers from opening, which is the eccentric component, right? If I'm standing and I'm not using a fixed load and I'm just curling my fingers upwards, standing, that's a concentric-like movement, which is called an overcoming isometric. So you're you're in a half crimp, but you're trying to close your fingers even more than that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Against 100% resistance. But if I lift something, now I'm preventing my fingers from opening up again. Okay. So it's still an eccentric. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. So, so ultimately, it's like, it depends on the athlete, right? And I, it's definitely not like a, you know, slap to fingerboarding, right? Because that's what people want to hear. But that's not what I'm saying. What I'm suggesting is that at some point, the loads that we use on a fingerboard as a trained athlete are not increasing strength. It's just that simple. Because they're already strong. They're really good at the skill. And they're getting a shit ton of passive tension on their muscles, but they are not chipping away at their recruitment levels. Hmm. Pretty so, much. So tell me a little bit more about the relationship between recruitment and passive tension, because like thinking about passive tension and, and actually let me know if I'm getting this wrong too, but I can imagine like having just come back from a sport climbing trip, I've always climbed really passively. I feel like I hang on my tendons and my skin as much as possible. And I'm not super active on most of the climbing holds that I grab. Um, you know, the exception would be occasional, really short, powerful boulder problems, which I need to do more of. Um, I've always struggled with active grip strength, but yeah, so is passive tension, I mean, are we using it a lot in climbing specifically in slower climbing and sport climbing? And what is the relationship between recruitment and that added strength that we get from passive tension? I would say the, the, we always use passive tension and that's why climbers naturally have big forearms, you know, like every time, you know, even like a lot of the youth climbers that will come through my office, they all have these big, like drumsticks on their forearms. <laughs> and that's a hypertrophy as a consequence of just a lot of passive tension and metabolic stress. You know, so I would say we always use passive tension on the climbing wall. That's That to me further means like, why am I trying to overload with more passive tension when I'm not climbing, when I'm training for my sport, right? Because at some point there's a risk with doing too much passive loading because the my finger tendons have to go through the annular pulleys and for the most part, we can say that the the ligaments respond pretty similarly as much as we know to tendons, 
but it, but those are the structures that I'm most concerned about. And so if I'm overloading my muscle and my tendon, which is probably stronger than my pulley, like at some point the risk is greater than the reward if I'm just loading and loading and loading. Mm. But you're always using passive tension. And so there, it's really an efficiency thing. The example that I give people that I think is easier to think about is like your one rep max pull up because everyone can envision pulling themselves up over a bar. That's your concentric one repetition max. But when I lower back down with that same load, I'm using 50% of the muscle fibers probably hmm. because my muscles are so efficient at doing an eccentric muscle contraction. So because they're so efficient, I want to use that efficiency when I'm climbing for sure, but I want to increase my active recruitment levels so I can get more efficiency to more muscles when I'm on the climbing wall. Okay. Because if it's only the eccentric loads, as soon as the loads removed, my adaptation goes away. Okay. Does that make, maybe make sense? Yeah, it does. So I'm going to just say it all back to you and you can uh, let me know if I'm getting it right. So passive tension, like part of that is a result of our recruitment level. We also build that by just climbing, but we're eventually going to hit a ceiling with that because we're not hitting our recruitment if we're training in a way that focuses more on passive tension. Um, so if we can simplify our training and get more of that recruitment back, that's gonna help everything. That's gonna improve our ability to actively grab on and then we're gonna get, we're gonna bump up that passive, that passive tension number as well. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was a okay. great synopsis. You're gonna get, you're gonna have more efficiency and you're gonna have more you know, potential for passive tension, which is the efficiency if we train to get more active recruitment levels. But that's really hard to do with a passive intervention like a fingerboarding protocol. Mm. You know, a few examples of one of my well-trained clients that shout out to Joel from that actually climbs in um, pre-straw, just sent his first V14. His like, and he's worked with me for years and Steve Bechtel for years and like has a big training history, knows a lot about finger training, done lots of things. And this last spring, we changed his protocols to be all active tension focused and on the wall, like finger coordination training focus. And his performance has been massively improved and his hmm. finger strength numbers went up like 30 or 40 pounds. And he has a really well-documented training oh, law. Wow. <laughs> and so to make an athlete wow. that has a good training history get stronger you know, is a little bit more complicated, but it's really, really complicated on a fingerboard. And it's probably not going to happen on someone that is using a fingerboard because they've already done it enough. They plateaued with their gains. The small incremental 0.5 pound increments aren't going to do shit for their active tension because they're just really coordinated at the skill. Hmm. Wow. Okay. I definitely want to dive into what you actually had him do um, as a as an example, like, you know, how does this play out in the real world? That's something I'm really interested in in this conversation. But that's cool. I was going to ask you, like, is this, I mean, you just answered it, but I'd love to hear more examples too. Like, is this something that's just still theoretical that you're excited about? Or is this, <clears throat> are you seeing this actually make changes in your clients? And, and um, yeah, how is it actually playing out, like, in the training, on the climbing wall too? For sure. I've been doing a lot of my, like, and, and so... The other thing I would say for clients is if people are really love doing fingerboarding, which climbers do, and it's really hard to like change people's opinion on that. Right. And so I'm usually telling people now, if you want to do like your heavy hang protocols, do those in the off season. Because when I do those. 
Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed that free teaser with Tyler. Once again, if you want to listen to the full hour and a half version of this podcast episode, that is available right now for patrons who support the Nugget Climbing Podcast for $5 per month or more. When you sign up, you'll instantly get access to that full version along with 40 other follow-ups that I've done. And I will also upload the uncut video version of this interview if you wanna watch that video instead of listening. And I will also upload the six minute clarification video that I made demonstrating how to actually train using this active recruitment technique that Tyler is describing. So all that and more available for five bucks a month. If you sign up for Patreon, it just takes a few minutes to sign up at patreon.com slash the nugget climbing, and you can cancel at any time. No questions asked. One thing I forgot to mention is if you love listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player, it doesn't work on Spotify, unfortunately. But when you sign up for Patreon, you will also get access to a personal RSS feed that you can plug into Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And that way you can subscribe to the patron version of the show. You'll get all of the regular episodes ad-free and you'll get all of the follow-ups all of the full versions of the follow-ups, all of that in one place. And you can just enjoy listening to all of your content on your regular podcast app. So yeah, I hope you will check that out. Happy New Year to all of you. I hope you're having an amazing start to 2023. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you guys. And until next time, best of luck with your finger training. Shake it up, stop when the clock hits 13 Sing one, one, two, three, four Cuz, cuz, cuz No one can do it like we do it Like we do it, like we do it Cuz no one can do it like we do it Like we do it, like we do it Cuz no one can do it like we do it Like we do it, like we do it Cuz no one can do it like we do it Like we do it, like we do it